Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now it's time for this. News Talk's Executive Chair. Thanks to Skillnet Ireland, driving business success through innovative training and upskilling. I'm delighted to welcome Andrew Linus. He's the Group Managing Director of Linus Food Service to the Executive Chair. Andrew Linus, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Now, thank you for travelling all the way down from uh, Port Stewart to be with us this morning. Your business started as a family fishmongers in Brook Street, Coleraine in 1951. I think it was your grandfather, Bobby, started the business, yeah? It was indeed, yeah. He Tell us a little it. bit about that. Well, the story is that in his mid-50s, he kind of fell out with his boss, who was a greengrocer, and he thought, I'm going to start my own business, and he decided to become a fishmonger. So he started um, in fish, started selling it locally, had a shop in Corain, and then another shop in Balamoney. And then unfortunately, in his mid-60s, he had a series of heart attacks. And so my dad, Norman, when he was 17, had to, as he said, let the heart rule the head and come into the family business and help Bobby. Wow, okay. So you're third generation here now, and again, uh, you're 41 now, but you've been leading the business uh, since the age of 27, which again is no mean feat. Yeah, I mean, Dad, in his mid, in his mid 60s, decided to say, right, look, it's yours. He's he's a big he was a big believer in succession, and he said, look, if you're young enough but you're ready, that was his philosophy. And I always think in succession it takes two people. So Dad was happy to stand on the sidelines and maybe cheer. And he said, look, it's your turn to take the business forward. I've done as much as I want to do. Isn't that great? Now, we just talk about your own journey uh, to the managing director of uh, of Linus Food Service. Uh, you went to uh, college in uh, Dundee in Scotland. You also went uh, studied a master's in business in Strathclyde University in Glasgow. But am I right in saying you haven't ever worked anywhere else? No, I've only ever had uh, one job. I'm right, un- so you're I'm a lifer. I'm unemployable anywhere else, Bobby, I think. Um, yeah, from a young age, I was thrown in uh, two older brothers too, and I think it was just a rite of passage in the Linus family. You were in the coal store, you were picking boxes, or there was another horrible job where we had a cooking oil business, and I remember collecting used cooking oil, and it was pretty yeah. grim. And it made me, maybe, right. made me realise my uh, joys of education. I'd say you might have been glad to get out of that business. That's no longer part of the empire. Is it? No, it was a fairly um, dirty and <laughs> yeah. nasty part of the business. So, just to talk about the business today now, and we'll, we'll just look at aspects of it. So, you've nearly 700 staff, turnover approaching 200 million. Like, this is a big, big business. So, tell us the component parts of Linus Foods then. Yeah, well, our main business is what we call food service. And food service, for those who won't understand it, is basically we serve food to those, if you eat a meal out of home, that's the best way to describe it. We're the classic middleman. So if you go to a coffee shop, a pub, a restaurant, uh, or whatever, we are the person who supplied that food um, to those customers. And that's a massive part of our business, both in Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, and also now in Scotland. We then have a second, smaller part of our business, which we call food outlets. These are like mini cash and carries that we developed about 10 years ago. And that's about 15% of our business. And there's about 11 of them dotted across the north. And is there any of those in Scotland? No, the hope is they're all in the north at the minute, but the hope is both here in the south and also in Scotland. That's We've big plans to scale those out. Okay. You know, we, we've, we've heard a lot of talk about Brexit and the effect of Brexit. As somebody who's really 
you know, operating, whose primary market was the Northern Ireland, who's got business, a significant business in Scotland and also here in the Republic of Ireland. What has your experience been to date as a business, a scale business with a 200 million turnover? How have you had to change your business as a result of Brexit? Yeah, well, I think Brexit and the protocol is a huge challenge for us, I suppose, coming in the middle of the COVID crisis. And look, it's, it's meant huge ac- extra paperwork for us. We probably employ two or three extra people who just deal with the complexities of moving goods from, we would say, from GB um, into NI. Honestly, it's been a regulatory nightmare. And we're thankful that there's been some easements and really they aren't implementing the protocol in its fullest form. But as a business person, I suppose we've just had to work around it, Bobby. But it is really frustrating that you see uh, challenges on both sides and you see the frustrations of both the EU, but also the UK government. But we are trying to navigate that because we've got customers here in Dundalk, we've got customers in Korean and we've got a customer in Glasgow. And it does seem crazy that I think if you got the business people on all sides of the communities round the table, we would sort out a pragmatic solution yeah. pretty fast. And tell me this, you talk about, you know, increased bureaucracy, administration. Does that get easier with time? Like it should do when we... You know, when you when you establish a supply chain, it becomes a regular event. Customers, they repeat orders. Like, does it does it get easier? Do the creases start to get ironed out just by way of, you know, just it's in everyone's interest that that yeah. happens. I mean, I think that's what's happened with the protocol. We've all worked around it, but it still seems bizarre to me that we're having to work around something. We just change supply chains, be that in Ireland or be that in different parts of uh, Europe or rest of the world. So we've kind of had to figure it out. So it feels now, what is it, two, two and a half years into this, that whatever solution they come up with, businesses have as usual, gone on ahead and just figured things out ourselves. Yeah. But it's been it's been frustrating because you've kind of had COVID, then you've had the protocol and Brexit in the middle of it, and then obviously now you've come into the energy cost of living crisis. Which I was going to ask you about. And uh, as somebody who's, you know, supplying all those pubs and restaurants and bars, what about food inflation? How bad has it been, first of all, and where is it heading? Yeah, I think we saw the beginnings of that kind of um, as we were supposed exiting COVID and the supply chain was getting going and we understood that and it was probably sitting at 5-6% and we said, okay, that'll hopefully wash through. There's no doubt the war in Ukraine has, I suppose, just catapulted and put extra um, fuel on the fire in terms of that. And it is running at mid um, double digits right now, Bobby. It is crazy. And we continue to see um, increases. We've got new crops in like terms of chips, potatoes, tomatoes, lots of things. And the increases are just staggering. I've been in this 18, 19 years and I've never seen anything like it. I mean, we are we are battling a raging food inflation. And then on top of that, for our customers, you then put the energy um, things on top. So it's really, really difficult as they navigate this. And, you know, the energy companies are always very quick to pass costs on to consumers. A business like yours will be slower to do that. But I assume, you know, as you get hit with double-digit inflation on potatoes or whatever it is, that some of that, at least, has to find its way onto the customer's plate. Yeah, the reality is you obviously talk to your supplier and see what you can do and, and look at alternatives. But but yes, you have to pass um, that on. The challenge we have in our business when you've got 100, 110 trucks in the road is obviously fuel has gone up. You know, it's it's come back a little bit recently, but, you know, it's gone up hugely. And then we're, we're having to navigate our own electricity bill because we've got obviously huge freezers, huge chillers that we're having to run as a business. And we're having to make those decisions. What can we put up? 
what do we have to hold um, in terms of pricing? And the challenge for a business of our scale, but for all hospitality businesses, is there is no price cap. So there's mm. lots of conversations in both the UK press and in the Irish press around, you know, do we cap prices for domestic users? That's great. But businesses are facing increases, you know, in the region of three, four, five hundred percent. Yeah. How do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, no, that's it's it's a scary thought. And if you look at your your customer base, Andrew, who again is pre- predominantly, it's, I would suggest, almost wholly uh, hospitality and food and beverage people, are you worried about things like bad debts? Are you worried about a lot of businesses not being able to cope with uh, the inflation around fuel, uh, around food? That you know, some hospitality business will just have to say, we can't do this anymore. Look, I think there's a lot of challenges out there, but I'm also a born optimist. And I suppose when we've gone through COVID, where you lost 85% of your sales in a week, and our customers had to close their doors for months on end, and then had the yo-yo effect, they're very resilient. Yeah. They're also they're also real entrepreneurs, um, Bobby. They they will find a way in this business to um, to survive. And so whilst I think it'll be difficult and we'll have a difficult few months, I think they'll figure it out. They'll change their menus. They might have to change the hours of work and do different things. But uh, I love hospitality and it survived, I think, a lot worse. Yeah, and people have to eat. You know, at the end people of the have day. to eat, and people want to eat. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, if we learn anything through the COVID crisis, <clears throat> we are social beings, and we enjoy food and we enjoy drink. Yeah, I wanted to ask you because I uh, and congratulations on being one of the finalists in the EY Entrepreneur of the Year program. Thank and you. as as you're well aware, we're heading off to uh, Austin, Texas, uh, for the program. So we'll be bringing you the program on. Saturday week, actually, from Austin, Texas, down to business. And, and you'll be there, Andrew. And again, for our listeners, maybe you might share with them what you're expecting from that trip, what you hope to get out of it, uh, because I, I've been on many of them over the years, and they really are transformational. Yeah, look, it's a real honour um, to be a finalist and, uh, you know, to be selected along with these other 24, you know, fantastic business people. I think for me, I haven't been to America um, post-COVID. There's something about America, the entrepreneurialism, there's a buzz and an energy. And I think in particular in Austin, Texas, I've talked to a number of friends and colleagues who said, you're going to love it. There's just going to be that tech energy, that just new business. And I think just being surrounded by lots of other entrepreneurs, you can't but learn from them and just be inspired by them. And so I think that's the thing I'm most excited about. In in one sense, in the doom and gloom of d- difficulties with cost of living energy, you know, the war, it's just nice to, I think, get out of your own situation and go and be inspired again. Well, we're looking forward to joining you on that trip. And as I say, we'll be uh, bringing the radio show uh, live from Austin, Texas in a couple of weeks' time. Finally, I wanted to ask you about your favourite phrase because I'm told it says, what's next? Is that your way of moving on? Are you, are, you, are you somebody who's impatient with things and you want to say, right, what's next? We've done that. What are we doing tomorrow? Yeah, I think my wife would definitely say <laughs> uh, that I'm very impatient when it comes to, and I love that phrase, what's next? Yeah, it comes from that um, TV show, West Wing, which is always like that political show. I think it just inspires me. I love the president and that Jeb Bartlett and uh, no matter how well the team have done, his phrase is, well, what's next? And I think that's what we do in our business too. You know, like hospitality, um, selling and serving food is just fast moving. And it's I love that thought of, well, what's next? You know, 
Um, I'm only 41, and as I think about the business, I'm like, well, what's next? What could we do in the next five to ten years? Yeah, well, I'm, I've no doubt we'll be watching your story. Andrew Linus, Group Managing Director of Linus Food Services, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.